Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Folks, uh, genuinely awful news out of Japan. Former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe assassinated last night. Obviously, given my prior line of work, um, just uh, something uh, that, that horrifies me every, every single day. I think about things like this, especially when it comes to formers. Now, people are formers, former presidents, former prime ministers, people whose security details a little lighter. Um, they got some commentary on that in the beginning. Jobs reports. It's probably the busiest Friday news day. Um, I've got that. I've also got Tucker Carlson and Ben Smith going at it yesterday. Tucker just eviscerating Ben Smith's stupidity, a, a uh, guy who is uh, specialized in uh, shady journalism, I believe, at best. So a lot going on. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers, and they're all made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com, and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. All right, Joe, it's Friday, so let's go. Yes, it's Friday. Yeah, Joe's a little sedan, rough news, I know, uh, yeah. bad news, so uh, appreciate uh, you recognizing that. I, 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 you know, folks, um, yeah, I, you know what, we don't need to beat this uh, thing up, uh, but you know I, what, I, what I did in my prior line of work, and this was always my greatest fear, uh, a former prime minister, former president, they have lighter footprints, but they lighter security footprints, um, you know, for obvious reasons. We don't simply don't have the taxpayer dollars to give people a presidential-like detail when they're not the president or prime minister anymore. Shinzo Abe, former uh, Japanese uh, prime minister, shot last night and killed. Um, I have some thoughts on that. Uh, it worries me. It worries me because you have people like President Trump with an enormous, uh, na- enormous name ID, enormous political impact. And I don't want to make it a part of Barack Obama, too who still are, are giant figures in politics, whether you agree with them or not. Their threat levels, I'd argue, I, I think I can make a strong case to you, having a background in psychology, protective intelligence, and the Secret Service, their threat levels are as high as that of Joe Biden, the current president right now. Uh, and, and when you see them out of office, this has been an ongoing concern, right? I've, I've said that. I just so Let's get to some of the video. Uh, if you're not watching this and you're just hearing it on the, uh, there is some audio, but I'll talk through it a little bit if I can. Uh, let's get to some of the video of the assassination. It was a 41-year-old, a veteran of the Japanese Navy. Um, is, is, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm gonna mess up his name. I'm gonna butcher his name, so I'm not even gonna bother. But uh, it had a what appeared to be, and again, these are early reports. I put it out there, not because I can confirm it. The Bongino rule applies. I'm just telling you it's in the news. Early reports are that it was some kind of make made at home firearm. Apparently shotgun shells. These are early reports. We'll see where that goes. You know, early reports are typically wrong. There's no question he shot him. What he shot him with, I'm going to, I'm just telling you it's out there. Uh, hit him in the lungs, died, didn't, uh, I don't even think he made it to the hospital alive, Shinzo Abi. But here is some grainy video from a distance. You're going to hear some, uh, obviously someone speaking in Japanese in the background. He's talking right there. And then um, you'll see, you'll hear the shot. And then the camera goes down. Yeah. Now, this is a little bit more of a close-up. Um, it's it, it's uh, just a warning at home. If you want to watch, it's rumble.com slash Bongino. If you're listening at home, uh, you'll hear the shot here, too. is another short video. It's more of a close-up angle, but you're not going to see the actual shooting because the camera goes away. But you see he's talking, speaking, obviously, obviously in Japanese, so don't know what he's saying. But boom, shot goes off. Obviously, the person you see this a lot when people videotape these violent incidents, you'll see right up to it, and then the camera goes away because the person responds like you would if you heard a loud gunshot. They're not really thinking about videotaping a gunshot they didn't expect. Now, a couple of quick things on this before we uh, move on to some other news of the day. Again, jobs reports, a lot of stuff came out. Uh, so much. You know, um, when you do this 
kind of personal security, executive protection, whatever you want to call it. When you do this kind of executive protection, and I want to be clear here, I'm not Monday morning quarterbacking again. I'm not doing that. I say that over and over. I'm simply putting out to you some things I learned in my time. I I can't Monday morning quarterback because I don't know all the details about what happened. I do know this. He was because I've seen the video. Abe was shot from behind. Now, this is a big deal. We had a saying in the Secret Service, an adage, a rule to live by. You got to watch the six. You got to watch the six all the time. What's the six? Well, if you think about a clock, six is behind you. You hear people in the military talk about it all the time as well. If you're going to get hit and assassinated, there's a pretty good chance they're going to look to hit you from the six. Why? Because you don't have eyes in the back of your head. It's not complicated. You look this way, forward. We're not, uh, you know, we don't have eyes on the side of our head where we can see behind us. They're in the front of our head. We have stereoscopic forward vision. Right? You don't have eyes in the back of your head. You can't see back there. So what we do as Secret Service agents is we always, always have multiple people watching the six. You have to walk backwards. If you look closely, when you see Secret Service agents moving in public, you'll see there's always a guy walking backwards. It's not the safest thing to do. I've tripped a few times myself. It's hard to do. But you do it. You do this. You walk backwards, you look. You walk backwards, you look. So you don't run into anyone. You walk backwards, you look. Sometimes there's someone else kind of coaching you like, stop. So you know to stop because if you're not going to know to stop if he stops because you don't have eyes in the back of your head either and you're looking this way while he's walking that way. You got to watch the six. You got to watch the six. This guy hit him from behind because that's where it happens. I'll give you an example. Here's a photo from the newspaper. Uh, it's a painting of the... Um, the uh, uh, just horrifying assassination in 1995 of Yitzhak Rabin. Uh, you'll see that it's in this article right here. That's what happened. You'll notice they put arrows there. The shooter, where is he? He's at the six behind Rabin. Hit him from behind. We've watched that video in uh, the Israeli assassination again of uh, Prime Minister Rabin. That happened in 1995. We watched that in the Secret Service Training Center. This, there's a mural of it. You can see that's exactly what it looked like. We've watched that probably a thousand times by the time I was an instructor and a student uh, because it reminds you that um, you've got to watch behind you. You've got to watch behind. There's just, that's where it's always going to, it's tempting to want to look ahead because you think that's where all the action is. And they have had assassinations come from the front. Of course, it's not just um, Amor Sadat comes to mind, but the hitting you from the six is far more likely, especially if an assassin notices there's no one looking. Because again, you don't have eyes in the back of your head. I'm just going to say one last thing on this before I move on. Again, this worries me when it comes to Obama and Trump. Uh, We can't have this chaos. We can't. I've I've made this case about not politicizing security often. Um, If if I'm going to be candid with you, which you deserve, I've gotten a lot of negative feedback from the audience about it. It's okay. I'm going to tell you the truth. And I'm not going to lie to you for ratings or views. I don't do that. When we, I don't know if, uh, Joe, if you remember this, but we did a show as Palm City. You may, you may remember it, you may not. And, but there was some bill that had come up about cutting security for former presidents. And I said, listen, I, I, I don't support that. Um, and here's why. I got a lot of negative feedback from the audience. They're like, ah, Dan, they can pay themselves. Um, they can, but the security's different. The security's different. Private security is going to have to, it, it's more, I, I don't want to say too much, but it's more, it's, it's, it's easily more logistically complicated than for private security, than for, for government-sponsored security to be able to security. I worry about Trump. I, wor- I worry about Obama. We can't have this chaos. You know, we can't. And this stuff worries me all the time. Negative feedback be damned, I, I, don't, I don't care. I, I, I'm sorry. We cannot have this kind of chaos. We can't have Trump getting hurt. We can't have Obama getting hurt. We got to have these presidents, regardless if we believe in, the, believe in their politics or not, able to, you know, that they're always going to be political targets. I'm telling you, I did this for a living. If you read the stuff I read, the emails that come in, the crazy people who say the nuttiest things, who have actual detailed plans on how to kill and torture these people, I think you'd change your mind. But I respect your opinion. Having said that, if you've got negative feedback, send it my way. I'll I'll read it. I take it all in. Uh, Parlays into my second story. Uh, I mean, uh, a sad segue about this dunce out in California. Guy, again, I couldn't agree, disagree with more. Gavin Newsom, who Red State article by the great Jennifer Van Lahr, who we love, it'll be in the newsletter today if you want to read it. 
Now he admits, Gavin Newsom, Joe, that his state paid for his security details, traveled to Montana, claims a public safety exemption to the law. Now, what are they talking about here? I'll get to this in a a second from the Van Lahr piece here at Red State. Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, lords over his state like a dictator. And they have this law that basically Republican states they don't like. You can't spend any state money to travel there. California's boycotted, I don't know, five, ten states. I don't even know. Montana is one of them. So it's interesting that Gavin Newsom, as soon as he can take a little vacay, heads over to Montana. He said his, his staff was claiming before, well, we didn't use any state funds. So some entrepreneurial reporter did some good work and said, really? What about his security detail? All of a sudden, oh, yeah, we did, but there's a public safety exception. Well, if you read the article from Jennifer Van Lauren, Red State, which will be in my newsletter, bongino.com slash newsletter, if you want to subscribe, you'll see there is no exception. They made it up. Now, you may be saying, well, Dan, you just said don't politicize security. I'm not. That's the point of me putting the piece in there. I don't like Newsom, but I want Newsom to be able to live. It is Newsom in California that politicized security. It is Newsom in California that said no state funds for interstate travel, knowing that the governor, Joe, was going to leave the state. It's not me politicizing security. It's those idiots. Mm -hmm. From the Jennifer Van Lahr piece. It's important to note that York, didn't, that's one of the spokespeople for Newsom, did not say that Newsom planned to reimburse the state for the cost of that travel. And even if Newsom did, that wouldn't satisfy the law, since the law specifically states both the state cannot require an employee to travel to any of the states on the boycott list, and the state can't approve and cannot approve a request to fund such travel. So Newsom's only way out is to claim an exemption that doesn't exist. Kind of like a let them eat crap moment for Gavin. Yeah. You'd think so. They don't. It's not me politicizing it. It's them. This is why you don't boycott other states because you don't like their politics. What's going to happen next? Is he going to have to sign off somehow? Is his state-sponsored state police detail? I mean, this is just dumb. This is stupid time. I'm telling you. I can look you in the eye and tell you. As a former agent, it, it genuinely, candidly, sincerely worries me. Former presidents do not have the footprint. They don't. Anyone who tells you otherwise is lying. It's a decent one. It can probably withstand 999 out of 1,000 attempts. But you can't be pulling their details. The private security does not have the, it's not this, it's not about skill. It's about the law. Federal agents can travel differently. They don't have to worry about guns on the ground versus guns in the air. It is different. It's just different. You're free to disagree. But again, I owe you an opinion. All right, let's move on. Jobs numbers came out. Just go quickly on this. 372,000 jobs, uh, uh, more, more than expected, uh, created last month. A couple of cautionary tales on this before we get to my next story here with the Tucker thing, which was amazing. The Tucker interview. The labor force participation rate is down. That is a really, really bad sign. Uh, second, These numbers are accumulated roughly mid-month. Folks, these numbers are going to continue to go down. You got it on tape. It's uh, Friday, July 8th. You know, so they're going to continue to go down. By the end of last month, it was already the inflation numbers were getting ugly. You were starting to see negative GDP growth and this malaise sink in. The numbers are going to get worse. They're not going to get better. I, I wish I had better news for you. They're not going to get better. But the 372,000 jobs number uh, was a little bit better than expected. We'll see if there's revisions later on. All right, moving on. Loaded Friday. As I said, I got your questions coming up later. Uh, no, I, And uh, the Democrats, how they don't want you to notice things. And one of the things they definitely don't want you to notice, the Democrats, is their endless focus on what they call replacement theory. As I've said a thousand times, I can document and prove this is not a Republican thing. This is a Democrat thing. Senator Dick Durbin, the New York Times, an opinion piece. They are obsessed with this idea of foreign nationals replacing U.S. citizens or whatever. It's their thing. It's not ours. The fact that conservatives and Republicans 
highlight the fact that Democrats talk about replacement theory is not a way to say it's not an indictment of Republicans. It's an indictment of Democrats. They do this. So after a bunch of murderous thugs uh, alluded to this replacement theory in manifestos and things that the Democrats keep talking about, the Democrats, Republicans do not care about that. All they care about is borders. It's not about replacing. It's about borders, orderly borders in the law, period. That's what it's always been about. We don't care if you're from Ukraine, Mexico, or Canada. There's a process to enter the country legally, period. The Democrats are obsessed with what they call demographic destiny replacement theory. So um, this journalist yesterday, or, you know, what it's, I'm using that term loosely, believe me. You know it's an insult. Don't ever call me a journalist, please. Had Tucker Carlson on some kind of panel. Tries to pin Tucker down like, Tucker, man, you keep advocating this replacement theory and all these people are lunatics and they're killing people and you're basically a part of this white supremacist thing. It's really like wink and nod stuff. Tucker just eviscerates him, saying exactly what we've said on this show over and over. This is you guys obsessed with this replacement thing, not us. Check this out. A lot of them don't buy the program of the modern Democratic Party because it doesn't serve them. And so the center of the Democratic electoral strategy going forward, I'm not guessing, they talk about it constantly, you're a journalist, you must have noticed, is to bring in new people who will vote for them. Now that, do you you think, let me me just finish if you don't mind, this is not something that I made up or found on the internet, I don't even really go on the internet. This is something that Democrats, including, you know, the architect of Obama's last victory, have talked about at great lengths in pieces, monographs, on television. They've written books about it. the. Um, so this is not like some crackpot Alex do you Jones. Think when you talk this about is the central how, how strategy many, of the Democratic Party. So to be like, I can't how believe many, you said uh, that. You I'm going to back to that. You talked about generational inv- investment. How, how many generations makes you a legacy? Oh, I de- I'm just saying people who live here now, including do, do you immigrants. See, do, you oh, any, do you have any home. empathy? Do you have any empathy for what? somebody who sees that clip, somebody who's you know, whose parents are from India, from China, who are Jewish, and say, wow, I don't think, I, I, like, I, listen, I just see that clip. And I don't India really think this China guy includes Jewish? me in his vision no, no, of America. No, no. Slow down. Okay. Uh, n- no, I, I don't have any, as you said, empathy for people who... Do you who understand get, why they might think that? Please let me, if, if you don't mind, if I could finish. I have no empathy for people who derive their judgments about anything from 30-second clips on Media Matters. I do an hour live every single night. So I want you to notice there, again, it's not a double standard, okay? I want to be clear on this. There's one standard. The leftist media guy considers himself at the top of the totem pole of power. You're either with me or you suck, and I'll make sure that you're humiliated. It's not a double standard. Now, notice the standard, though. I can do what I want because I'm a liberal power broker in the media. Yet what you say in a 30-second clip outside of the fact that it's a 30-second clip and what Tucker, Tucker accurately says is five hours of programming live he does a week. So you get to cut a 30-second clip grotesquely out of context, claiming then that it is Tucker and the Republicans pushing this replacement theory. Yet when I put this article up repeatedly in the New York Times, literally headlined, we can replace them about replacement theory in the New York Times by Michelle Goldberg. You can read it. You don't have to take a snippet of it, a 30-second clip. You can actually read them proposing how they can replace people, yet you bring that up, and no, no, that's not evidence. That's not evidence at all. The 30-second clip from Tucker is evidence that you guys have replacement. That's your thing. Here's what's really going on here. This is what we're going to call going forward the don't notice what we're doing theory. I I actually think Michael Anton has a better name for it. But simply stated, this is the don't notice what we're that. Oh, no, that what's he called? Does he call it? That's not happening, but it's great that it is. This is the don't notice what we're doing theory, right? Anton covers it brilliantly. We've had him on the show multiple times. That we are going to openly talk in racial terms, the Democrats. That's what they do about replacing people openly. It's out. We played the clips. I just showed you the article. And then when a bunch of crazy people, crazy people who I cannot condemn in strong enough terms, 
listen to what they're saying and get crazy thoughts in their head and go murder people. It's then the Republicans fault for noticing what the Democrats are saying. It's insane. The article is literally titled, we can replace them. They have written books about this. This is the don't notice what we're doing theory. And if you do, we'll blame you. It is. It is a meta. He said it right. It is a meta Republicans pounce because we don't want to highlight the fact that it's been us on the Democrat side in the media talking about this. You motivate crazy people to do horrifying things through your constant talk of demographic change, racial demography and all this other stuff. And then you blame us. For calling you out. I'm going to give you two more blatant examples of this in two recent stories coming up in a second about mail-in balloting and electors, the new electors controversy where the uh, DOJ is investigating alternate electors. Really? We'll see what happens there. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall credit card bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. Okay, getting back to this. And uh, this is, again, the don't notice what we're doing thing. Democrats push replacement theory. I just showed you the article. God forbid you notice, then we'll blame you for pushing a theory we invented. It's the craziest thing I have ever seen. And how suckers like that fake news guy, how they sit there and go, hey, watch this 30-second clip of you, and then ignore the fact that there are hour-long pieces of Democrats talking about this same thing is so fake newsy that even for the fake news, it's like, it's laughable. Here's another one. Don't notice this either. There's a big electors controversy now. Did you guys hear about it? Apparently, Justice Department, January 6th committee, they're investigating this fake electors, how presidential electors who were not the official state electors were being uh, sought out, whatever, by the Trump campaign. Fake elector acting like, by the way, this is a totally new thing we've never seen in American history. We haven't, fellas, um, except for the last couple elections that the Democrats lost. <laughs> so it's a big scandal worthy of a what DOJ investigation. We had Jeff Clark serve subpoenas, Eastman serve subpoenas over the fake electors scandal, except for the fact, as John Solomon's uh, uh, site, Just the News reports, their staff, controversy related to presidential electors, electors not new to 2020, but prosecution is. Remember, it's not a double standard. It's one standard. Oh, well, when Democrats propose fake electors, it's, no, no, it's not a double standard. Stop. T.O., baby. Stop. It's one standard. If you're a media or a Democrat elitist snob authoritarian, you have the authority. What you do is okay. Everything else, go yourself. It's not a double standard. John Solomon's uh, crew over there at Just the News, they note, you know, electors, fake electors, this is new, really? They note in 2000, lawyers representing the campaigns of Vice President Al Gore and Texas Governor George W. Bush battled in court to settle which of them gets to send the slate that cast Florida's then 25 electoral votes in the Electoral College. That's according to the liberal Orlando Sentinel report from December 1st, 2000. Was anybody arrested over that? Do you remember a DOJ investigation over those Al Gore electors that never made it? Anyone remember that? You guys remember that? Gee, you were pretty young yeah. at the time. I don't, Joe, you were a little older. I don't remember that either. So that was the last election we won, 2000. There was an elector scandal there. I don't remember a big investigation over that. Oh, here's another one, a little more recent. In 2016, six Democrats vowed to be, quote, faithless electors and defect from defeated Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton. These electors were reportedly lobbying Republican electors to follow suit. Oh, my gosh. And defect from Donald Trump, the Republican president-elect. That sounds to me like a scandal. Sounds to me like there should have been a DOJ investigation. Was there? Nope. Is that a double standard? Hell no. There's one standard. We're Democrats. Everyone else, go yourself. Got it? 
Didn't see an investigation of that. You may say, well, that's a recent phenomenon. Every time the Democrats lose, just in modern history. Nope. Here's another one. 1960, wasn't around. I was negative 14 at the time. Some have likened the alternate electors in the 2020 election to the dueling slate of electors for Hawaii in the 1960 election between JFK and Nixon. Hawaii Democrats at the time used virtually the same language that the alternate Trump electors in Arizona, Nevada, Michigan, Washington, and Georgia used in their effort, according to a Politico analysis. See a bunch of people thrown in the federal clink for that? Nope, nope, not a double standard, single standard. You're with the Democrats, you're A-OK. You're with the Republicans, find yourself in the clinkaroo. Folks, this is the, again, don't notice what we're doing. When Democrats question elections, don't you dare notice it. When Republicans question elections, start a federal investigation and throw everyone in jail. When Democrats riot and burn down American cities and start to chop and murder people in the streets, these Antifa folks and others, bail them out of jail, say it's mostly peaceful, and don't notice what we're doing. When what you perceive to be Republicans get into a melee up in January 6th on Capitol, lock up everyone and their mother and investigate anyone else who was even close to the event. It's not a double standard. There's only one standard. You're with us or you're the enemy. Here's another don't notice thing. Don't notice our rejection of every Republican victory in the last 20 years in the presidential election. Don't notice our coverage of mail-in ballot problems either. You speak about mail-in ballot problems now in light of the 2020 election where historic mail-in ballot happening happened. Why? Why was that, guys? You remember that thing, the pandemic? You heard of it, Joe? Yeah. That COVID thing? Yeah. Remember that happened? Yeah. Yeah, he's heard about it occasionally. Joe's like, yeah, I think I heard about it one time. Someone wrote me a note or something. I think he's got an email. Joe's searching his inbox right now. He's like, <laughs> yeah, someone sent me an email. So we had this COVID thing. You may have heard of it. So we had mass mail-in balloting. So the Democrats don't want you to notice that when mail-in balloting was primarily done by the military overseas, absentee ballots, who vote, what do you think military votes? More Republican or Democrat? What would you say? Uh, Republican. Republican, right? Yeah. yeah, it's gotten a little less, but it used to lean pretty heavily Republican. The Democrats and the media had a big problem with mail-in balloting. They noticed error and fraud issues. But now they don't want you to notice that they noticed mail-in fraud balloting because if you bring it up then in 2020 and you bring up their own research on it, it makes them look like frauds. Here's a 2012 article I brought up on the show before. Adam Liptak, New York Times. You should probably bookmark this and show this to your liberal friends when they tell you, it was the safest election ever in 2020. You go, really? Because there were a whole lot of mail-in ballots and the New York Times themselves used to cite error and fraud with mail-in ballots. So that's kind of weird how you'd say that without any evidence to back that up. Here, here's a New York Times piece yourself. Headline, Adam Liptak, October 6, 2012. Error and fraud at issue as absentee voting rises. Remember, this is when absentee voting used to favor Republicans. The New York Times had a big issue with it then. They note this. Listen to every word of this. But don't notice. Don't notice. Quote, yet votes cast by mail are less likely to be counted, more likely to be compromised, and more likely to be contested than those cast in a voting booth statistics show. Gosh, sounds like something Republicans said about 2020. Goes on. Election officials reject almost 2% of ballots cast by mail. Double the rate for in-person voting. Really? Crazy pills. Sounds like the kind of thing we said. They note, this is uh, this guy, Mr. Sancho, some expert here, whatever. The more people you force to vote by mail, he said, the more invalid ballots, you will, invalid ballots you'll generate. Hmm. Don't you notice, don't you notice that? Shh. Zip it. They say it, okay, A-okay. Matter of fact, they even cite data. Rejection rates are nearly double. And yet when you massively increase mail-in balloting and your candidate wins, don't you dare question mail-in balloting. Let me tell you, let me, before I get to my, my, my next sponsor, I'm going to get to this. The Celebration Parallax. Yeah, exactly. It's Anton again, the return of Anton. By the way, can you turn that fan on? I forgot to turn it on. It's hot. This is important to note. If... Donald Trump would have defeated Joe Biden. I absolutely guarantee you. If Donald Trump would have defeated Joe Biden by some convincing number, right? By like two, three points. I guarantee you the Democrats would have made a big deal out of mail-in ballot. 100%. 100%. They would have made a big deal about it. 
guaranteed. All right, I got a couple more stories coming up. Questions for Dan. I got a good one coming up from Politico. There's something strange going on with Venezuelan immigrants, and it's making me ask a lot of questions. The Biden administration wants to legalize everybody, but Venezuelan immigrants to the country that came in illegally. Again, I do not support illegal immigration, period. The full stop on that, okay? But something strange going on with Venezuelans. It's important because it shows you again how the media is trying to cover up what I think is really going on here. It's again a don't notice thing. Don't notice the open border. All right, I wanted to get to this political piece because it's it really, if you learn, you guys and ladies out there have been listening to my show for a long time. You're as good as, at this as I am now. You know, that's what I do for a living. You, how do I know? I get your emails. And a lot of times you'll tell, you'll tell me stories and give me an angle I haven't seen before. Wouldn't you say, Guy, like you read the comments, you're like, damn, that's pretty good. Like you all are so great. But this is one I know you'll be hip to the minute you read it. I asked the guys about this this morning. They picked it up right away. Political article by Sabrina Rodriguez. Biden's facing another major immigration decision. The White House is still weighing what to do. Well, what's it about? It's about a bunch of Venezuelans in the country right now. They're already in the United States. It's kind of weird, right? The Biden administration, anyone who crosses the border gets a free flight. Joe, free flight around the country, benefits, nothing happens. You know, nothing happens to you. They get, you know, what was that cell phone story? We're getting cell phones and stuff like that. So it's really strange that these 250,000 Venezuelans, the administration doesn't know what to do. They note this. That issue is whether to extend temporary protected status for Venezuelan immigrants already in the U.S. The Biden administration has until Monday to make its decision. It's also considering whether to expand the protections to an estimated 250,000 Venezuelans who arrived in the U.S. after TPS was granted last year in March and therefore not eligible for the temporary legal status. Again, for the 15th time, I do not support illegal immigration. I don't care where you're from. Jupiter, Mars, Mexico, Russia, Ukraine, I don't care. There's a legal process, do it. My wife did it, it stinks, that's the way it rolls. The process is tough, that's the process until we can fix it. That's the way to come in. But don't you think it's weird that the Biden administration, who will pretty much let anyone in the country free flights, why would they be worried about Venezuelans? I'll give you a second to think about that. While I readjust in my Mm. X chair here, you figured it out? What's going on in Venezuela right now? Yes, we have a communist regime led by uh, Maduro, a communist regime over there that's causing a bunch of people who are undergoing economic depravity, torture, and political horror right now to exit en masse. Some coming here legally, some coming here illegally. What other group of people led the communist regime in a Spanish-speaking country for Florida? Hold on, give me a minute. I live in Florida. Cubans? My, you're, you've been down here a while. Is it cute, Cuba? Yeah, he's saying yes. A lot of yeah. Cubans come. And what do they do? They vote Republican. Oh, big mystery. Now, Politico, of course, puts lipstick on that. Don't you think that's a little weird? I don't support illegal immigration, period. I'm just telling you, kind of strange that 250,000 people coming from a communist country like the Cubans who will likely vote Republican... They're the ones that Biden administration is like, ah, I don't know about them. Yeah. Everyone else, yeah, come on in. Interesting, but I didn't put that connection yeah, inc- together. Yeah, Thanks. Good yeah. point. No, no. He just made a great point, including terrorists. Huh. Including, remember yesterday's show? You have mild terrorist ties. You're A-OK. Oh, yeah. Venezuelan, not so much. Not so much. Again, proving this replacement theory thing is not our thing. I don't care where you're from. I don't care. You are welcome in the country legally. Copy? You vibing me? My wife is an immigrant, came here legally. You are, I don't care if you're from Mexico, Canada, or the freaking moon. Come here legally. America will welcome you. Okay? That's it. That is Republican theory. Law and order. Period. That's not Democrat theory. That's a Democrat thing. Using strictly racial and voting categories to, you know, segregate people into piles and That's their thing. That's not our thing. If every one of those 250,000 Venezuelans pledged today, just play the game with me for a minute, to vote conservative for the rest of their lives, and they were here illegally, I would still tell you it's a bad idea, and we shouldn't do it. Why? Because it's not about where they're from or what language they speak or politics. It's about a country with defensible 
law and order process-oriented borders. Period. The Democrats are on the other side of this issue, not us. And don't fall for that scam and don't be intimidated. All right, I got a lot more to get to here. Um, Moving on. This is one of the greatest interviews. (laughs) I don't know, maybe I'm exaggerating. It's I love it because I love economics. Listen, Bloomberg is a left-leaning outlet, sometimes far left-leaning outlet. But once in a blue moon, they'll play it straight on economics. Because they have some people over there who are kind of down the center on economics, right? Bloomberg has this Biden economic advisor on. This lady, Heather, forgive me, I forget her last name. She's on, and they're interviewing her. And one of the guys is like, man, your message is all over the place about gas prices and inflation. Like, who is telling POTUS, the president of the United States, to say this crazy stuff. She gives some like really stupid answer. I'm going to sum up for you at the end. I want you to listen first. I want you to see if you catch it, what she does here. She tries to have her cake and eat it too, like Boris Johnson style, right? What they call a cakeism over there, right? She tries to have her cake and eat it too. And the guy at the end just gets frustrated. Like, what is it, man? What is it? Either it's a global market or it's not. I'll explain what I mean. But see if you catch it, what she says and tries to get away with it. This is good. Check this out. The president over the weekend said this. My message to the companies running gas stations and setting prices at the pump is simple. This is a time of war and global peril. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you're paying for the product and do it now. Jeff Bezos came out and tweeted the following. I'm sure you read it. Inflation is far too important a problem for the White House to keep making statements like this. It's either straight ahead misdirection or a deep misunderstanding of basic market dynamics. I'm not going to accuse you of the latter. I want to talk about the former. Where's that messaging coming from? The president has made clear that his number one goal is delivering for the American people. We are in a time of crisis. We are in a time of war where, where the president and our allies, we are supporting the Ukrainian people. Congress is engaged in this effort, both sides of the aisle, to say this is an important priority. And one of the consequences is this high price of oil because of global trends. You and, didn't answer his important and, and, question. Everyone, Heather, everyone in the nation wants to know the answer to the question Mr. Farrell just asked you, which is who is advising the president? on shockingly naive price theory over a gallon of gas. So the president is not shockingly naive. Whoa. You know, the guy at the end is like, his BS meter's pegged. I mean, for, listen, folks, for Bloomberg, that's a lot. For Bloomberg, that's a lot. If it was on my show, the rebuttal or the rebuttal is giggles. If it was a rebuttal, I'm, I'm sorry. If it was a rebuttal, it would be different. That for Bloomberg, that's a huge moment. That's a big rebuttal. Okay, that is an enormous rebuttal. Bloomberg's like, I've had enough of this, man. Who is telling the president to say these stupid things? The, the interview goes on. In the interest of time, I had to cut it down. But they go on to talk about how you can't have it both ways. I don't know if you caught it, but here's what he's getting at: the president's saying two completely contradictory things with gas prices. First, he's saying, I don't know if you guys caught this. First, he's saying, there's nothing we can do. It's a global market. Remember that? It's a global market, gas, nothing. Remember that? That was your message. I can play the cuts till the cows come home. And now he's saying, no, it's not a global market. It's your local gas station on the corner screwing you over. What is it, man? What is it? That's what the Bloomberg guy is saying. Are you guys this stupid? On one hand, you're telling us it's a global market you can do nothing about, even though we live on the globe and are the largest gas producer, an oil producer. And now you're saying, no, no, Biden's tweeting out, tell your local gas station owner, drop the prices, do it now. Guys, just make it sense. You can't, both of those stories can't be true. And even the Bloomberg guy's like, bro, can you, really? Can you just get your story straight? Is it a global market Biden has no control over? Or is your local gas station mom and pop screwing the neighborhood over? Idiots. Here's another dunce right here. Green jump here. 
saying yesterday, POTUS said yeah, they're doing everything. This is a short one, but you got to pay attention. We're doing everything in our power to reduce inflation. I'll show you what they're doing coming up next. Check this out. The president is doing everything in his power to lower costs, uh, to blunt uh, gas prices as he has been doing. And we have, we have done that. He, he just said it again. So right. I, I thought you couldn't do anything. It's a global market. So how is he doing something? Do you want, you see how this is why the guy's approval rating is like 2%. Because even if you believe him, what do you believe? That it's a global market or the mom and pop gas station guy screwing you? Because those stories can't be true. You believe the president's in control and Karine Jean-Pierre saying he can do everything in his power. Or do you believe there's nothing he can do? It's a global market. If you're confused, folks, so is everyone else. That's why the guy's at 10% approval, whatever it is. Here's what they're doing. AP, Democrats want to tax high earners to protect Medicare solvency, which is hilarious because they've already bankrupted the whole program. They want to institute a 3.8% tax on people earning $400,000 a year, couples making $500,000 on their earnings. You know what they want to do it for? They want to do it for pass-throughs. In other words, small businesses. So if you can explain to me in common sense terms how sucking 4% more money out of the small business budgets of small business Americans who are now being forced to pay more for products, for production inputs, and for human resources how that's going to lead to lowering inflation and a better economy. You're one of these people. You support the current thing because you're, you're really an idiot. You're a total. Oh, I want to make sure a picture was on it. You're an NPC. That's you. So the cure for inflation and people paying more for the same stuff is to take away more of their money. That's, that's, I guess so. And then they'll blame, right. Then they'll blame me. And then they'll say, don't notice what we did. And then Republicans call it out, who call it out, you'll be accused of being class word. You're just defending the rich people making $500,000 a year. No, what I'm telling you is a $500,000 a year income in a small business does not make you ferociously rich. And sucking up their money and giving it to the government to piss it away is not going to help. Here's his other plan for inflation. I just, just, just popped out before I came on the air. Watch the examiner. Biden keeps touting a $1.9 trillion spending bill despite 40-year high inflation. This is unbelievable. Print money we don't have to accommodate more government spending, that more money chases fewer goods, causes massive inflation, and the Biden cure, air quotes, is to do what? To print more money. Folks, one quick note. Uh, Be sure, if you would, I really appreciate it. Check out my show, Unfiltered, on Fox tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern time. I got Adam Carolla on to talk about liberal hypocrisy with security stuff like Gavin Newsom and otherwise. Also got a Secret Service agent friend of mine, uh, a new guy coming on. We're going to talk about uh, what happened with Shinzo Abe and the actual threat out there. Things like Watch Your Six and otherwise. Uh, It's going to be a good show. You're going to get a lot of good pointers on that, about the situation, how dangerous it is from a guy who knows. So don't miss it on Filter tomorrow night at 9. All right, last story before I get to questions for Dan. The great Julie Kelly, who we adore, who wrote a book called January 6th. She'll be on my radio show later. She caught something the other day, an amendment proposed by Adam Schiff to the uh, National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA. Here it is up there on the screen. You'll see it. Section 5, exclusion of evidence obtained without prior authorization. Now, what does this mean? Well, it involves the military and evidence obtained by congressional committees and others and what can be done with it. What does it mean? Julie Kelly put up a couple tweets. What's Adam Schiff really up to? She says, think about what this amendment means. Defense Secretary Austin can decline any requests for materials related to the deadly Afghanistan withdrawal, woke policies, vaccine mandates and injuries, and January 6th, amongst other issues. For example, GOP committees would be prevented from examining the military's role in the events of January 6th, including use of assets before and on that day, as well as the use of intelligence services such as NCIS, which we know were part of the investigatory process. What are they trying to hide? Absolutely great catch by Julie Kelly. Adam Schiff trying to bury a bunch of information before the Republicans take over the House and the Senate, which is likely in this coming election. Talk to Julie about that more later on the radio show. She'll be on at 2 p.m. Eastern time if you're listening live. All right, it's time for questions for Dan. I heard that. You said I wouldn't hear that. Oh, he's like, you're not going to hear it. I got a new widget or whatever. And then I heard it. I heard it fine. I heard the... Tells me he found a new workaround. 
Don't take that out of the show either, please. This is all part of our appeal, right? We, this show, by the way, can I just say quick? I'm sorry. This is the most like low production value show. The fact that we are the number two podcast in conservative <laughs> politics in the United States. Right, guys? And it is, it's, it's the whole crew is Paula, Joe, uh, Guy, and Justin. That's the whole crew. You know, you have these teams like you. I'm not going to say who, but they have like a $30 million advertising budget, $20 million HR. My budget's like 22 bucks. I, I, I didn't even shave before the show today. The fact that you guys and ladies watch this show is so, I'm so uh, proud that we don't do fancy stuff and you're still here. We didn't, one of the pretty, right. It's right. It's true. That's true. And then I, I you know, sometimes like my, I, I did, we don't even like, I forgot to put the air kit, the uh, fan on. Like this is like, this is, this is how low budget this is. I love it that we don't have to do anything fancy. Yeah, the fan. The, I got to take a picture of that. Can we post that in the show, Guy? Okay, Justice, the fan, post that in the show. It'll come up right now. It'll, you'll see it. The fan is actually sitting on a cardboard box. Cardboard box of batteries we had to replace on backup jet because we don't, we don't, this is how like low, but it's not that what you, I just, I feel like the content matters. I thought, I'm, all right, get back to the thing. I just, I, I love it that you're here. I'm so honored that we don't have to do a lot of foo foo stuff to get you to listen. Question one Hey, Dan. Jean-Pierre seems to be riding the struggle bus to work every day. How long do you think it will take her to resign? Here's what's going to happen, folks. There is no chance, I think, uh, I should say she resigns. I think what's going to happen is this. You're going to see her, because you're right, she's just getting crushed at these things. It's embarrassing at this point. You're going to see her take the director of communications job that Kate Bedingfield just left. And I think you're going to see someone who can actually handle the role like a John Kirby come in and take her place. They're not going to push her out to resign for a lot of reasons. No way. Uh, AJ Boombots. Oh, wow. My guy. Love that. We love a Boombots. You must be from New York. <laughs> says, I know how you feel about Jeff Bezos with what he did with Parler. But do you think he's now been red-pilled now that he's a victim of what he's created? You know, I don't know what Bezos is up to, but... Let me just address the first part. What he did with Parler, when AWS, Amazon Web Services, when Bezos was still running that shop over there, when they wiped Parler off the face of the internet, I will never, I don't care how much this guy gets red-pilled, because I'll tell you what he did there. If I can just be candid for you, I've never had a worse business day in my life. I cannot believe that I lived in the United States. We had finally built the first major alternative to Twitter out there that was just a flowering success, even despite some hiccups, right? And that a company like this, after pressure by politicians like AOC and Ro Khanna and Democrats, that a company like Amazon and Bezos wiped it off the face of the earth. I remember waking up and telling my wife, what is this, North Korea? Like, what should we put so much work into that? I'll never forgive him for that. Ever. I don't care what he, red pill, I don't care what he does. I don't care if he donates a billion dollars to Republican candidates. It's a piece of garbage in my eyes. So, all right, thanks, AJ. Hey, Dan, RTV Sons, which room in the White House did you like best and why did you like it? Uh, the East Room? East Room, because there's just so much history there. I mean, the East Room's the one you see them giving speeches in when they're inside the White House. Uh, Lincoln was laid in state there. The weddings happened there. I think Carter's daughter was married or something. They, they had a reception in there. Uh, this, I mean, the speeches, the Reagan speeches, the Carter speeches, uh, this, I, and then the, the hall within, I mean, everyone, the Nixon, Ford speeches, all of them, they were from that room. It's just majestic when you see it. The famous George Washington portrait, Dolly Madison took out of the White House, is sitting in there. It's, 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 look it up. It is, when you're in there, the, I don't care how long you've been working in the White House, the history slams you right in the face every time. This is uh, Tomo G Den 7, Tomog, I don't know what that is. Uh, sorry, Tomog. Tomog. Hey, Dan, have you heard anything more regarding the purchase of Twitter by Elon? You think it'll go through or not? Listen, I think this thing is really struggling. I think Elon got wind of how many bots are on that platform. I see it all the time. I put out my famous tweet every morning about Biden being the worst president in U.S. history. And I get every morning, look, you can look at the responses. You'll, you notice they're all the same. Dan Bongino is still, a, it's the same tweet from like 30 different people. It's got to be bots. I, I'm not sure it's going to go through. I, 
I think it's no better than 60, 40, yes at this point. Hey, Dan, Bob Richardson 3, what are your thoughts on carrying your concealed weapon into a friend's house who doesn't know you carry? Tell them or let it go because they probably won't notice. This is a good question. <laughs> these I get in advance. The radio show, I try not to read in advance, but I like reading these as I'm doing some show prep. You know, I swear that's never occurred to me. I don't tell anyone, but uh, I mean, all my friends are pro 2A, so I don't, I, you know, I don't think it would even matter. I can't imagine like going to have dinner with Guy and Guy being like, oh, Dan, uh, I need to put a rebuttal out here. I do not like the Second Amendment, and I would really insist around my wife, you do not carry that firearm. He's very professional. I, he is. He's always like a pro. I, I would never happen. I just can't. I'm, oh, Justin either. Like, uh, Dan, I don't know, man. You know, I go to church with his mom and dad. My mom and dad were like, uh, you know, we don't really support that Second Amendment. So if you're going to carry a gun around church, we're not going to that church. I mean, I don't know. It's never happened. So I've never really thought about it. Uh, but no, I don't. I've never told anyone. That's nobody's business. So, but, you know, you're free to, I guess, see what they say. Hey, Dan, P. Larson, 1311. Welcome back, exclamation points. What was your favorite part of the vacation? Whitewater rafting looked fun. As always, thanks for what you do and God bless. My favorite part was by far, even though it was the most dangerous and I would not be seeing that bear because I swear to you, I've always wanted to see a bear up close. Um, I know it sounds crazy. It's super dangerous to do that. But we had spent the whole trip, as I said to you, looking for a bear, binos and everything. I can't tell you how many hours we were looking through those binoculars, looking for bears. My daughter was like, dad, it's a bear. No, oh, that's a rock. Dad, it's a bear. No, it's a tree. And then we walk over to, and there's a freaking bear sitting right there, 30 yards away. Don't do it. Thank you. Thankfully, it was a black bear and not a grizzly, but it was a big one. It was a big one. I shared the pictures around my locals and Instagram if you want to check them out. Definitely my favorites. I got back in the car. I couldn't believe it just happened. Hey, Dan, Boomer PAA. Thanks for what you do. Wondering if you noticed the dog food shortage. We have two dogs. We just started noticing it's become scarce. Since you have Lucy, I thought you may have noticed it too. I didn't. Uh, but thank you for the heads up. I'm going to tell Paul about it now. So uh, that's good to know. Uh, well, less one. Okay. Hey, Dan, more Kelby 1987. What are some good resources for someone who's just waking up to politics and voting? Essentially for someone who doesn't want to vote solely based on what TV and other opinions are saying. I've really been enjoying your podcast since my husband introduced me to it. Keep up the good work. Um, I think in IMHO, my humble opinion here, I think books are the best place to start. And I think one of the most convincing books that's easy to read that will red pill a lot of people is Thomas Sowell's Vision of the Anointed. It changed my life. You, it's, it's easy to, it's, I mean, it's, it's not for 13-year-olds, but if you're 18 or more with good reading comprehension, you'll understand it. You can't read that book and be a liberal. You can't. You didn't read it then. You can get someone to read that book. Change your life. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. If you wouldn't mind, um, the subscriptions to our show, I've explained this before, help us stay on the top charts, which is where people find the show. Uh, if you could help us, I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe. Listening's great, but the subscriptions, they're free. It's, you don't have to pay. I hate that term, but it'll either say subscribe or follow. If you could do that on Apple, on Spotify, and most importantly on Rumble, rumble.com slash Bongino, we'd really appreciate it. You'll keep us on their homepage and it helps more people following the show. We can red pill others. Thanks so much. I'll see you all on Monday. Good day, sir. You just heard Dan Bongino.